Yeah, that cowbell means it's time for Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker, and I am joined by my dad, Jack, the other generation, the elder generation. How are you doing today? Well, I'm just going to make it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just thought I would do a little acting there. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Did I sound old? Yeah, it sounded like you were yawning. I thought you were gonna fa- you were falling asleep or something when you said it. But uh, anywho, so we got a whole slate of things that uh, dropped into our our uh, discussion list this week. So let's kick it off with uh, at, right after we were done recording last week, uh, Apple officially announced that they were using their, or I guess I don't know if they announced, but a lot of a lot of news outlets announced Apple was using its rapid security response feature for the first time. This is something they put into iOS 16, iPad OS, and Mac OS Ventura. And essentially, what they've done is they've taken the the uh, protected system volume and broken it up into smaller chunks so that if they need to update certain sections and things like, uh, you know, like the Safari engine uh, are things they update fairly regularly, that they can update those without updating the entire system volume and and some, and, and sometimes even update without requiring a full re- reboot. And uh, this particular update did require a reboot, but it installed so quickly after it had installed, I went and double-checked in in uh, in settings to verify that the something had actually happened because it happened so fast. I was like, "Did it really install anything?" Um, well, well, I'm I'm trying to figure out what this really kind of means to uh, to the end user. It's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, uh, they have different pieces and parts, uh, but do we need to know about this? No, I don't think it matters to the end user at all. Just like even if they had, re, you know, had to reboot the entire system volume, it doesn't matter to the end user. All this does is just say that the the hap, the the update is going to happen much much quicker, uh, and may or may not require a um, a reboot. In this particular instance, it did. But uh, the other thing that they didn't really do is they didn't really explain what it was that they were fixing. Um, there was a, an assumption that it was a, a zero-day issue with the Safari browser. I at one one outlet uh, said that they had um, uh, some indications that something at one of the the you know uh, engine files for the Safari browser had changed, um, and that that's what this was. And they put these insecure encrypted volumes because that allows them to you know, verify that you're working off of an actual uh, trusted volume. And that's part of what provides the security to iOS and Mac OS and iPad OS and, well, all of the uh, operating systems. They, they run on the same underlying engine. So, um, you know, that, that's, it's, it's interesting how, it's, how they've architected the, the system, um, you know, to make these kind of updates, I think you know they had a a, a large giant volume at one time, and now do, being able to update smaller bits of it just means that you know an update. You know, we were complaining about how you know Windows used to just say, "Well, sorry, your computer's down for the next twenty minutes while we update you," and while Apple has never been quite that um, aggressive at doing their updates, when you did the update, there was times when your computer was unavailable for you know a half an hour as it was doing all that. Yeah. Um, and this speeds that up significantly. Have you well, done well, it? Did you see it happen or, or 
you know, or did it happen overnight for you? Uh, I didn't see it happen. Okay. Um, are you know? Do you know that it did happen? Did you go look at your settings and about and see that you're on sixteen point four point one A? Because uh, I, I, I yeah, my iPad in. Yeah, so. I I understand that what they did was um, it not only um, uh, was it you know very quick, but that it was rolling out too. It wasn't sent out to everybody simultaneous, so different people got it at different times. Which yeah, makes sense. I got the A. I have the A feature. Okay, so you do have the A. What? Yeah. Which means that you do have the the update installed. Yeah. What this means to me is uh, traditionally, uh, if you wanted to load a system and the operating system is the primary system, is you compile everything that you wanted in that operating system into one module and you just downloaded the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so they've decided to break up the operating system into actually multiple programs right. so that they compile uh, separate chunks uh, that uh, some might be more stable than others. And maybe they, I don't know what criteria they use for breaking them up, but at least chunks that uh, uh, maybe need updating more often would be in uh, one chunk or two chunks, you know, that you could, but, but, but what you end up having to do is with your load modules is have them uh, all interconnected so that, uh, so that they still function as one whole operating system. Right. And, and uh, that there, there's probably some small performance penalty in doing that. Well, one of the things that Apple has done for a, a while now is that the, the system volume has, has resided on an encrypted read-only volume. And so, um, you know, it has to decrypt that and read that volume in order to boot up, and then it loads the system into memory. And these days, our computers are big enough, they've got enough memory that it runs, you know, off yeah. of that until you reboot it. And then it rereads mm-hmm. the encrypted read-only volume again. Now they've just said, we're instead of just one volume, we're going to read different parts of the system from different different locations because we've broken it up into smaller chunks, into smaller read-only encrypted volumes. Yeah. And, you know, that way we can update one piece at a time as opposed to the entire thing, you know. And I think it's probably not too hard for them to, I mean, the work of breaking out pieces was probably pretty lab, labor-intensive, but the decision about what had to be broken out or what they wanted to break out was probably pretty straightforward because they said, what are the things we update a lot, right? We update browsers. We update, um, you know, maybe some drivers. We update things where we think that they can, you know, create buffer overloads. So anything that requires any kind of input, those are, are, you know, target points for people trying to hack systems. Yeah, they've got a history of it. I don't think there's any good rational way that we could divine what Exactly. Yeah, we can make. Be. Yeah, we can make some guesses as to what the characteristics they might have, like I was just doing. Yeah. But but as far as like knowing specifically which modules they are and stuff, that's, you know, uh, and I suspect there's probably people who who can you know um, dig into the code and figure that out uh, after the fact. But again, these are are not only read only, but they're encrypted read only volumes, and so. Um, you know, it's it's going to be really difficult to know what's on which volume and stuff, and that's by design, right? I mean, it's, sure. it's yeah. you know, that's why they use the secure enclave, right? So your secure enclave knows which volumes and what the what the decryption um, uh, uh, codes are to to read the 
the the the system volumes and boot the computer. But uh, you know, and, and and again, that's all by design. It's it's create the, the the decision was made to make this very hard to let somebody go in and corrupt your system volume or your boot volume, and um, and they've moved you know a lot of stuff that that was in the system volume out of the system volume um, in order to make sure that your your boot volume was something that they could lock down and make sure absolutely certain that it was a secure and correct copy. Well, apparently and, they apparently they thought they were solving, or they, they they thought they had a problem in the sense that people may have been complaining about long load times or something. Yeah, or they just didn't want to become Microsoft. No. They saw that on right. the horizon and went, "Wait a minute, that's not us. That's the other guys." <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, my experience was I did instigate my update on my phone by my, you know, intentionally. I saw that it was available and did it. And usually when you say run an update, you can watch the little bar go across and then, you know, then the screen goes blank. Then it comes up and there's an Apple logo and then a little white bar going across as it then reads the new stuff into memory, you know, and it takes a period of time. This was click on it. Okay. System reboot. Boom. It's back up. And you're like, did anything happen? <laughs> you know, what yeah. happened? Hey, wait a minute. That was that. I mean, it was literally almost as fast as I said it. And so I was like, I, I you know, what happened? Well, <laughs> Did well, anything that, happen? That, that, that sounds like a benefit to me. Nobody right. Wants to it see was spinning, spinning the wheels, you know. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely was a benefit. I thought it was great, but it was like it happened so fast, and we've become so accustomed to what an update means in terms of of time and visuals that none of that happened. And so I then had to go check the system settings to see if if it had been installed, and 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 it was like, sure enough, there it is. Okay, that was quick. Okay, so now we're going to expect performance here. Exactly. Huh? So, of course, then the next few things that they update will obviously not be in any of the smaller modules that they had pulled out. It'll have to be on the main system volume, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Apple's going to be going, oh! Oh, we're looking bad now. We told him we're really good. <laughs> yeah, now we, have to, now we have to break out more pieces. Next thing you know, we're going to have a, a, a disk littered with tiny little system volumettes right i think the the term they were using was cryptexes because it's it's probably going to take somewhat more storage space and and you know there's always downsides to all these kinds of things yeah yeah multiple little uh uh associated encrypted volumes on a drive is not something we're used to seeing but you know if it serves a purpose and 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 maintains security and makes upgrades easier than uh, more power to you apple oh, mm. oh yeah excuse me yeah you yawn I... and i sip my coffee perfect timing <laughs> <laughs> well i've been up a long time already. yeah yeah you have um so you found an article the other day that i thought was interesting and and i read through it and then i kind of read through it again and it was by christine romero chan uh, published may 20 may 3rd saying uh titled i wish i never bought my i14 pro and essentially from what i could see is it basically all boiled down to i don't like the pictures out of the i14 pro as much as i did the i1411 or the i not 1411 the i iPhone Pro 11 Pro. She doesn't like the 14 Pro as much as she did the 11 Pro, and she she feels like that the the photos are over touched by the 
AI and things don't don't look realistic and the colors don't look right to her. Well, to me, the I wouldn't generally concern myself too much with this, but when when the overall result of the photos are not the same high quality that you're used to expecting, right? Uh, that's serious. It is. But I I have an i14 iPhone 14 Pro and I came from an iPhone 11 Pro and I disagree with her completely. Hmm. You know, and I'm somebody who's particular about photography. Well, I knew you were. Yeah. You know. And so that's what the other reason that I thought, well, hey, you care about this, yeah. you know. <laughs> I think that there have been some some changes in the operating system that make things sometimes a little sharper and a little less little less um um, realistic looking in some cases, the edges look a little over over sharpened and things in some photos. Um, but you can adjust that after the fact. You can always shoot in raw, which she didn't talk about at all. And if you don't like the processing that's done with the Apple Photo app, there's about three thousand other photo apps that you can use to take pictures. Some of them very very good with some very interesting effects that are available, including some that allow you to have. Uh, manual controls similar to those that you would have on a, you know, standalone camera. Mm-hmm. So I just disagree with her kind of across the board on her assessment of what's going on with the iPhone 14 and the quality of the photos. Well, they also have a related uh, uh, thing that says, I found a phone uh, that fixes the i14 Pro Max's biggest flaw. Now, did you go to that one? What do you mean a related thing? I didn't see. You mean there was just another link on the page somewhere to another yeah, story? Yeah, there's actually three links there. But the first one uh, says a phone that fixes. In other words, a, probably a, not an iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of an iPhone. So, and yeah. and what was the biggest flaw uh, to that? So, uh, yeah, I did not follow that. I don't see those links, but they don't necessarily. They may not be serving the same links to me that they're yeah. serving to you. So, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I I get what she's saying. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I guess one of the other complaints she had was that the she felt like the um, dynamic island wasn't used by anything other than Apple stuff, and. I've seen other things. I've got other apps that use the Dynamic Island, and I think it's. I like it a lot, and I think it's a very cool feature. And I think that it will be used more and more by other devices, you know, as they adapt to it after it's been there a while, after it's more, it's in more of the the line, because right now it's only in this year's current phones, and so most of the iPhones out there don't have it. You know, when the iPhone 14 gets pushed down, or the iPhone 14 Pro. It's pushed down, you know, to uh, to last year's phone, and the iPhone 15 comes out, and it's now in all the phones. You'll see more and more people starting adapting their apps to, to take advantage of that in different ways. Yeah. Well, what what she this this other related article, the, the big thing with her was they were all these uh, competing pro cameras from different companies uh, have one very. Uh, feature in common and that's they're uncomfortable to hold either to the poor due to the poor flat edge design or the weight distribution of it so it has to do with balance and mm-hmm. things like physical things uh and i i guess i've never really thought that much about it depends if you use it a lot it's right not, it's not like a camera you know where they actually design cameras to, yeah with to grips be, and yeah, yeah. And there are cases that have grips that allow you to hold the, the, the phone more like a camera. Yeah. 
You know, so there's ways to deal with that. I agree, but I don't think that's new to the iPhone 14. I think that that's been a problem with the iPhone for a long time is that it doesn't fit in your hand well like a camera and there's no button that falls underneath your fingers in the way you hold it in order to take a picture. So you have to then awkwardly try to tap the, um, uh, the screen button. Um, something I've gotten more and more used to doing, which I, I, it took me a long time, I just didn't naturally adopt to it, is you can use the volume buttons as a shutter button. But they're in the wrong place most of the time, for me, yeah. anyway. So, you know. Anyway, I, she, she identified a Vivo X90 Pro that says solves, she solves the problem. See, it's a smartphone also, but it's a mm-hmm. smartphone that somebody said, hey, why don't we do something about the, uh, make it more like a real camera. Right. You know, I mean, honestly, I I haven't seen anybody, at least anybody with, with the marketing oomph to make a real push at it, offer the option of having a smart camera that's also a phone as opposed to a smartphone that's also a camera. Right. You know, uh, that, and I was just going to say that's probably the approach that they took. Right. And I would like to see one of the big boys do that, that has the marketing budget to make it go, because I think that would probably, you know, as as we've come to the realization more and more that the phone basically is a, a a camera and a social media device. I mean, let's face it, that's what most, you know, the yeah. large number of people use is why aren't we moving more towards that? Why aren't we moving more towards the, you know, the, if it's a camera, then make it ergonomically more like a camera. That's how people use it a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like that concept. Yeah. really do because in fact uh, phones can fit in a multitude of, of uh, physical things they phones almost don't care mm-hmm. it, it, except on the watch to me it's a care because I can't hear my watch well enough you know mm-hmm. uh, if if my phone had a way to attach to hearing aids <laughs> then it would it would matter at least to old people. You know, or hard okay, hear. you jumped in. You made some leaps there that I didn't understand. First of all, the phone doesn't have to look like a phone except when it's the watch, which doesn't make any sense to me. And then oh. you said you wish it attaches to your hearing aids. I thought it does attach to your hearing aids. Okay, my phone attaches to my hearing aids. I meant my watch doesn't attach to my hearing aids. Now, I, you know, the, the, the watch has a – I was trying to make the case – that you can put a phone in a lot of things, and they have done that. They put right. it into a watch also, right? Right, but the watch Except- is not really a fully functional device by itself without having a phone in, in proximity to it. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Or, or somebody who can hear that, you know, uh-huh. without some manipulations trying to get your uh, wrist yeah. up to your phone you know, or to hear, up to your ear. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I think that... Uh, uh, the the best w- attachment for uh, for phone is actually through CarPlay of all the Apple products, you know, because yeah. it uses the things that are in your car and makes it better than a than a, than yeah. a smartphone itself. Yeah. Well, I you know I think that 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 Apple has been very um, uh, thoughtful in how they're creating accessories to the phone that become. I don't want to say indispensable, but but very handy. Things like the way the AirPods work with the phone and the way they pair makes the AirPods the the first choice for a oh. 
Whole sound news. system for the for the for the phone. Um, and you can use AirPods with your watch. You can pair them to your watch, and so you can go out on a walk with just your watch and listen to a podcast or to music or whatever you've downloaded to your watch. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. Um, the you know the watch itself as a as a adjunct to the phone. I agree with you. CarPlay is outstanding, and so so much so that you know again they've they've thrown out that number. What is it? Seventy five percent of new car buyers go shopping for a CarPlay system with wheels rather than a car. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, I, that's my phrasing, but I, you know, that's, that's essentially what, what statistically they're seeing. And uh, um, I still roll my eyes when I, you know, read that article about GM saying, well, all new electric GM vehicles will no longer support CarPlay, but the existing ones will continue to support CarPlay. Then the following week, they announced that their existing, one existing electric vehicle, the Bolt, will be discontinued. So (laughs) it's like, (laughs) so basically, we're not going to support CarPlay in our vehicles anymore unless you buy gas power, the old-fashioned kind. Yeah. You know, that was enough for me to just say, I won't walk on a GM lot again. You know, if I'm buying a car, I don't care if it's gas powered or not. I don't trust the the tack that GM is taking. Exactly. They they don't understand. Yeah. That that was critical to my last car buy. Yeah. No, I remember when you were shopping for it because you were sort of early in the CarPlay adoption when you were buying. And so you were like, okay. My my choice of vehicles is limited to these three or four because they're the three that or was, four that, that support CarPlay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that was it. Yeah. And and I wasn't happy even with the one I bought in the sense that it wasn't the dominant. They, they already had the Google thing built in, mm-hmm. so that so that without having uh, uh, attaching my phone to it. Uh, it it had Google system in there, right? And that's what a lot of manufacturers use because it, Google, unfortunately, they named it. Uh, you know, Google uh, Android Auto and and Android Automobile are two different things. Android Auto is the equivalent of CarPlay or Google's version of CarPlay. Android Automobile is their car infotainment operating system that rides in the background and has taken a huge chunk of market away from Cunix, which used to be sort of the default operating system for, for, uh, for car electronics. Yeah. Well, anyway, it just gets in the way as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, and I think you've, you noted before too, and I noticed when I've used your car is that the, the interface to CarPlay, the the processor that drives that screen and everything is so slow, slow, yeah, that it sometimes doesn't even give you the opportunity. And it's not the phone because you know you can see it on the phone, and, yeah. but but it'll it's so slow to to put it out on the screen that sometimes you're past the turn before it'll pop up and say, hey, there's you know turn right here, <laughs> you know, and you're like, well, yeah. wait a minute, why is it why is it so laggy? Um, and again, it's not the phone because. You know, you can have the phone just sitting there and watch the maps, and it'll tell you right when to turn. Uh, it's it's something to do with the CarPlay interface and how it's being implemented in your Hyundai. Yeah, well, so. it's 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 not good, you know. But you would mm-hmm. expect that since then, it's probably been improved even in the Hyundai. Oh yeah, I think all of them probably have been upgraded. What surprised me is is that from what I understand, that that is supposed to just be a dumb screen rendition of what's being sent to it by the phone. What they are doing that is causing that delay on the Hyundai side is puzzling to me. Yeah. You know? I don't, 
I'll tell you too, and I know I've ranted about it before, but I've rented multiple cars, and those bozo car people who who change the CarPlay interface so that I can't use a touchscreen and I have to use a knob to highlight things and tap the knob. Oh, that's terrible. Those people should be, you know, tarred and feathered. Uh, that you know, that's just that's. You take what is the the interface that I want, the way I want to interact with my car and the communications, and make it unsafe because I'm now having to look at the stupid thing to see what's highlighted as I go around rather than glancing over and tapping an icon. Who on earth thinks that's a better interface for those things is beyond me. And I'll tell you, um, uh, at least certain years of Mercedes-Benz do that. was it Land Rover uh, in one vehicle I rented did that? And Mazda does that. Yeah. And I have a Mazda that I like, but I'll never buy another Mazda if they don't change that interface. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just that, that is, it's that bad. You know, that uh, you don't replace a touch interface with a knob that highlights icons and then <laughs> tap on the knob. You know, and you're spinning the knob around trying to highlight the right thing. You know, as opposed to, again, like I said, trying to see which one's highlighted before you tap the button. So you're sitting there watching the screen while you're driving instead of glancing over and tapping an icon. Yep. How is that the knob better? It just, that's bad, 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 bad. Car people stay out of software interface designs. Well, the other. Stay they, out. They do, they do need to provide a good touch screen because remember mm-hmm. the early capacitance touch things were so horrible that you had mm-hmm. to push. They, they really depended on pressure. Right. Not more than anything else. But yeah, anyway. but there are good capacitive touch ones, too, that work. Uh, I, I, I added an aftermarket Sony head unit to my 25-year-old pickup truck so that I could have CarPlay in it. And yeah. it is a capacitive touch. And if you didn't know that, you probably wouldn't have guessed it. It's that good. Uh. You know? And And the reviews that I read said, hey, you know, be aware. It is capacitive touch, but... It's a really good one, and I have never regretted it, not once. That's good. Yeah. Well, usually I depend on reviews in magazines of people who have tried, uh, you know, that have the resources to try uh, all the major uh, mm-hmm. automobiles so that you, you can save yourself a lot of time. Yeah. You know? And they highlight these things. So, yeah. And, and, uh, until I'm ready to buy again, and I don't know if that will ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck with what I've got. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I said, no, it's, you know, I look at reviews, and and there are some reviewers and reviews that I trust, and I also, you know, when I read the review, if a good review explains how they came to those conclusions, mm-hmm. and then if that makes sense to me, then I'll trust what I'm reading in the review, but sometimes... Sometimes it's just, you know, it's it's a matter of opinion, like the woman who didn't like her iPhone 14 Pro, you know, and wanted right. preferred the iPhone 14 11. She, you know, the, the quality, the qualitative functions of the photos, you know, that's a, a, a call, you know. Do you look oh, at yeah. it and say, you know, do I like that more or do I not like that more, um, yep. you know, and, and in which cases, you know, I mean – some of the professional photography review places have the same setup and the same exact photos that they take with every single camera and every single lens so that you can then, and they control the lighting, so it's the same lighting. So you can have an apples-to-apples comparison and say, I prefer this, I I don't prefer that, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, lacking that, um, it's it's hard to really, you know, make a a real um, subjective 
objective, you know, call on it. Everything yeah. else then is just sort of, you know, well, your gut feeling is I don't like this as much as I like that. Um, you know, and in that yeah. case, I disagree with her. But I respect her opinion. She has one, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, um, it's just not the same as my opinion. And I'm perfectly happy with the photos that come out of my my iPhone 12 Pro. You know, and she feels it, that they, what is it? They look badly processed and feels that low light, low light selfies look better on some of the older iPhone models. I will say that sometimes the low light photos in the iPhone 14, the, the thing does such a good job of, of managing low light that they don't necessarily look like low light photos. Again, you can turn, she says you can't turn off the processing. You can take the photo as a raw photo, which turns off all the processing, mm -hmm. and then you can decide what you want to do. And that's built into the camera app. You can also use other photo apps to take those pictures, and then you can process it differently if you're really concerned about it. So, meh. Well, that, that's a good lead into the next article. It's, uh, you know, how to sell you features you may or may not want. <laughs> Uh, in this case, it has to do with credit cards, which is something that uh, I don't have any kids, first mm -hmm. of all. Um, excuse me. Than, sure you do. You're talking to one of them. That, that live with me and that I'm going to give my credit cards to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finish that thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and neither do I. But even if they did live with me, I probably would not give them free access to my credit card. Yeah, um, like a... As I understand it, though, when you do that, you can, like, really, you know, tighten the screws down to limit their capabilities and your use of it and things like that. Anyway, the, so. the only reason that I brought, put this on here to talk about is that this article particularly uh, tells you how to disable your credit card purchasing in the family because mm -hmm. on the phone, it doesn't look like that there's anything obvious, you know, so you have you have to find some instructions on how to do it. And somebody's done that. And so I thought, well, okay, they've done the work for me. It happens to be an article in under Fox news. Uh, is there a date here published on May the 4th and it's called did Apple just help your kids get access to your credit cards so that our listeners, if they are, have, uh, stuck with mm -hmm. this thing that keeps, uh, on their phone, but they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, this is a way to get get it out, and and I'm annoyed that Apple allowed such a thing to be so cumbersome that you that it's not obvious. I should say yes or no right at the top, right? Right, and and kind of what they're talking about here is not necessarily like with your Apple credit card that they now have access to it and can use it anywhere. What they're saying is is that if you set up Apple Family Sharing, um, and Anybody in the family can then make a purchase, and it'll get charged to the default card that's on the your iCloud account. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's how mine's been set up for a long time. You know, and I just flat out told my daughters that you know I get notified every time something gets charged to that. If something gets charged to that, and you don't get previous permission, then you will be cut off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's it. And so, and they have over the years called me at different times and said, Hey, can I buy this app or, you know, can we buy this movie or whatever? And it's like, sure. You know, I don't have a problem with it most of the time. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of courtesy, you know, and having kids that understand that and work with that. I can imagine in some families that doesn't work well, but it's never been a problem for hours. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but, but anyway, I, I don't like something that sort of sticks in your face and you see it every time you turn it on. And it's mm -hmm. still there wanting you to, to, 
to say to approve only at that level. I I, I made the judgment already, but you know, just by the title, didn't want the damn thing. I I should have been able to push the no as well. Don't give me just this is how to set it up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I I'm just making a complaint to Apple that that should be the way Apple does business. Yeah, yeah. I you know I can see where that could be a problem for people. Um, you know, and, and and to turn it off, you basically have to turn off share purchases with family. Well, you know, mm-hmm. when I buy a movie or buy a um, uh, an, an app, I, I, I if it supports family sharing, then I want them to have access to that. That's that's <laughs> part of the bonus, right? You know, I mean, I pay for yeah. a family license to Microsoft 365. Each of them have a copy of Microsoft 365 running on their laptop because of that. Mm, yeah. You know. Um, Yep. That that was by intent. I don't want to go in and shut off that. Yeah, you but, know? They, but but Apple has to think of their universal users, you know. Yeah. And say. Yeah. Well, sharing my purchases should not be tied to sharing the ability to purchase. Right. Right. I should right. be able to share my purchases, but I should be able to control when I make purchases. Not anybody in the family. Those two right. things do not have to be tied together. And apparently they are, and I honestly had never really thought about it again because it had not been an issue with my family. But had it been an issue, you know, I mean, there's lots of people who have that rogue kid who, you know, take all your money and spend, you know, or people who have, (laughs) you know, well, and or, you know, kid, you know, individuals in the family who maybe have, you know, problems, you know, other other problems, um, you know, mental or or substance abuse problems or something. And they're always on the the lookout for ways to get money and and use, you know, people's, you know, other people's money to go do things that they shouldn't be doing. And so, you know, you you don't want to feed those those types of habits, you know, that's that's right. So so there should be a way for you to although I don't know how they would use Apple, you know, access to buying stuff on the Apple App Store in order to you know, get money for other things. You know, I don't know how you could could uh, turn that into cash, but there's probably ways. I'm sure there are motivated people and probably websites that talk about how to do it. Oh yeah, you could go add money to your account and uh, yeah, okay. So there's there's ways to do it if you scroll down through there. So so anyway, I I didn't go into it in depth because I wasn't ready to act on it yet, and yeah, you know, I never think of it when I <laughs> when I've got time to do it. So anyway. I, uh, moving along, I, this morning even found some comment online about Warren Buffett and how happy he is that he's a big owner of Apple. I had Mm -hmm. no idea that he got 40% of Berkshire Hathaway. If you're going to do that, you say, well, why don't I just do uh, Apple uh, myself instead of part of another company? Right. Well, I think essentially all of his money is tied up in Berkshire Hathaway. So, you know, yeah. when you say Berkshire Hathaway, you're also talking about Warren Buffett's Coca-Cola personal portfolio, you know, yeah. his and probably, um, you know, Charlie oh, Munger that. and that, that whole crap, you know, that whole crew. I think that, that they put a lot right. of their own money into that because that's what they believe in, you yeah. know, and if 40 percent of, of their money is in Apple, which amounts to about six percent of the ownership of Apple, um, you know that's pretty significant, and yeah. I know that you were talking about some of the concerns with Apple and and Apple trying to divest itself from China to some extent, yeah. um, and then what are the repercussions in China? You know, does China take action against Apple because Apple's pulling out and doing things other places because they certainly could? 
yeah. you know, what does that mean, you know, for China's access to one of their larger markets, you know, which is China. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of iffy things in there, but apparently Buffett well, any, trusts anyway, I, Tim I Cook. Was a, I, when, when I was investing, I was a 100% Apple guy. I said, that's, you know, you've got to spend time with any stock you invest in. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point in time, I didn't believe that there was any risk with a China deal. Right. Well, but, and but you were you were kind of you were you were basically kind of acting as a day trader. So you were watching the ups and downs yeah. of the stock pretty closely. Yeah. And you know, you can't do that with with too many stocks, right? It gets too right. complicated. So that makes sense. If you're doing a long-term investment, you know, where you're you're um uh continually just adding to your investment as a retirement type of thing. Usually yeah. that's more diversified, but even if you were to do it in a stock, then you, you're yeah. less concerned about the short-term ups and downs and more concerned about the long-term growth potential, well, which anyway, is kind of when, what Buffett's doing. Yeah. When, when Buffett first started getting interested in Apple was about the time that I was ready to just get out of investing just because of my age. Right. And so uh, uh, I said, ah, oh, the guy's getting smart. Finally, mm-hmm. I found a good stock. And, he's older and that, than you, and he was getting in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, now I think he's overdone it. I hope he doesn't get burned along with a lot of other people. But yeah, uh, he, he, the, the, those are risks that uh, that are totally out of his hands. Yeah. And it, and it can happen suddenly. Yeah. You know, I wonder sometimes too, and I'm not saying this specifically about Warren Buffett, but you know, if you're looking at somebody who's investing, and like you decided because of your age, you were going to get out of it. But, you know, do you trust a guy who's got billions of dollars and is, is uh, you know, Warren Buffett's age? I mean, he's 10 years older than you. He was born in 1930. And yeah. so, you know, do you think somewhere in oh, his head well, he's going like, well, well I'm not going to be able to use a lot of that money anyway. And so if it doesn't go well, who cares? I'm going to be fine. That's, that, that's exactly right. So, you know? He, he he's he's going to survive regardless of what happens to his fund. Right. But, I, but I'm just saying, looking at the Berkshire Hathaway thing today, I view that as a risky stock, just in the same way that I view Apple as getting close to a serious risk. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think too, though, that the the only thing that that stops that is I think that he very much is concerned about his legacy as the best investor ever in history. Yeah. Right. Because that's essentially all his his money has been through investment. And so he has been able to pick winners for a long, long time. And I think he wants to go down in history as the smartest, best investor ever, right? Yeah. And and he has always said, and and if you listen to what Charlie Munger has said, um, who's his investment part, you know, the lesser known of the two, but he's the investment partner that, uh, you know, helps make the decisions. Um, the two of them have always been believers in you're not investing in a company, you're best divesting in a company's philosophy and the people making the decisions. Yeah, and and I could imagine what's going to happen the day that, that Charlie Munger dies or Warren Buffett dies. Yeah. Either one of them is going to uh, reduce the risk or increase the risk in Berkshire Hathaway by at least 50%. <laughs> yeah. Now, apparently they've got some guys, and, and I've re- seen the names before. I think it was on 60 Minutes or something like that a while, uh, probably 10 years ago. They've got a, guys that have been with them for for ages that are working with them that are, you know, a decade or two younger than them that yeah. are doing a lot of the work now. These guys oversee it. You know, they still go into work every day. 
But mm-hmm. so it's not like Berkshire Hathaway will cease to function when these two guys are gone. But the problem is, is that they've built such a, an impression that it's that, that's, that's not that's not the perception. Yeah, the impression. Yeah, exactly. The impression is is that it's it's Munger and Buffett, you know. And when something happens to one of them, you're right. I think that's going to hit that company really, really hard. Um, And if they were smart, they would probably be adding some, you know, or or putting pushing some of those other guys out front more. Yeah, you know, I I I think they got to, you know, they got to recognize why it is that they're recognized. Uh, the way they are. Yeah. And I don't think they, they quite understand. Yeah. You so know? it's, I was just reading here on the, on the Wikipedia page, I guess Buffett became the chairman and majority stakeholder in 1970. And then in 78, Munger joined the company as the vice chairman. And the two of them have been together since 1978 running the company. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, you know, to each his own, investing is a risky proposition, and uh, uh, I certainly wouldn't put uh, half of my stock in in them. I I think they're well. They're hard to invest in, though, too, because it, if it, I mean I may be wrong at this point, but the last time I looked at it, a share of Berkshire Hathaway goes for like fifty thousand dollars or something. They don't. Uh, they don't. They've never split their shares. They're. They're. You know. They keep their. Um, their. Uh, Per stock price is just ridiculously high. Yeah, yeah, they don't want any day traders in their stock. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know they they want wealthy people investing wealthy chunks of wealthy money. Yeah. At this point, um, yeah, and I don't know if there's people who like sell partial shares, you know, as part of a a deal. And I'm not sure how that all works, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's not a cheap one. Well, anyway, Apple was not an easy stock to invest in either because there were lots of uh, considerations other than just stock, that uh, real company value and stability. Uh, because it's like they had a good one, probably one of the best quarters ever. Just this the last uh-huh. week, wasn't it? Uh, last week, yeah. Yeah. And and they went down big today. But see, that's people taking profits. Sure. And, yeah. Well, and, 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 and big, it wasn't even that they were they were actually below year over year, but they were ahead of what the the street was caught thinking they were going to be. Yeah, they so. were up four percent on the day of the uh, of their uh, thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but by but the then, way, Berkshire Hathaway's uh, Class A stock, one share, four hundred ninety seven thousand six hundred and thirty dollars and sixty six cents right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, but those are special classes. They have multiple kinds. Yeah, of I'm looking at their Class B stock right now too. I'm calling that one up. Mm-hmm. See how big of a bargain that is. Oh, that's a bargain. It's only three hundred and twenty-seven dollars and ninety-two cents a See, share. There's always a way. Yeah, um, so you you can invest with the Class B stocks, and if you make enough money there, then you can step up with the big boys and buy a share of the Class A. <laughs> Notice I said a share, <laughs> a share. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yep. So, anywho, I just thought that was funny. I wanted to check that. But yeah, the um, the uh, yeah. you know, I mean, first of all, let me just say, this is not an investment podcast. We are not investment 
uh, advisors. advisors. <laughs> we have no stake in any of this. Neither of us are owners of uh, Berkshire Hathaway um, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, do you still have any stock in Apple or anything? No. No. Okay. I'm, so then, I'm neither of us it. have any stock in Apple. So there's no, there's no, um, uh, you know, benefit to us in any way, shape, or form. And we we yeah. are we are not stock advisors. Do not take our advice for any any investment purposes. Yeah. <laughs> Just it. to be on the safe side, you know. I don't want anybody yeah. thinking. Well, Generation Tech said. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the, the next article relates to uh, Wall Street analysts and all of that. And it says the iPhone soothes skittish Wall Street analysts because it's uh, it's been a pretty stable business for a long time. But uh, as we were, as our comments indicated, there's there's some risks out there. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, it's a different kind of risk, you know, because now you really need to follow what's going on. Exactly. And really, what's really going on other than just the news uh, kinds of yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's it's geopolitical things that will have impact, and that's what you got to watch. And those are the kind of things that can turn on a dime, especially when you're dealing with countries like China, where the decisions are made, you know, top down, and you know, there's no there's no vote, there's no you know, it's just they announce, okay, here's right. the new law, and the new law says you can't sell that here because you don't make enough of the product here anymore. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what happened? So yeah. um, now, one of the things that um, that I did read about that Ber- that um, uh, he likes about um, what Buffett likes about Apple is that Tim Cook does have a pretty strong working relationship with people in the Chinese government in terms of, you know, making the decisions about how they run their business within that country, and obviously they they have you know, made the decision that they're going to do that and therefore they're going to follow the laws and rules within China. Um, But that's not to say that, you know, somebody in the Chinese government can't, you know, call up Tim and say, hey, you know, everything we said last week, not anymore. Yeah, but but you see, I view, I I try to look at it from China's standpoint and the fact that I'm the all-powerful dictator and what's going to get Apple upset? What? How are they going to upset me so that I, or, or make me, get greedy for some of their profits that they're making at the, at our behest, you know? Yeah. Well, they're already getting a whole bunch of the profits because they require some of the services be hosted in China, you know, yep. and, and they, they get, um, all the, uh, employment and, and work things that are done through, you know, in, in China as well, all the jobs that are created. And so that's all the kind of things that the, government can take credit for and say, hey, look at all these people who have worked because yeah. we, we planned it all perfectly. And, and Taiwan Semiconductor has a lot of uh, secrets too, but, th- th- but that's what they're craving is some of that. You know, what, what if we controlled the hardware? What if we owned it basically because we produce it here? So, you know, we got smart people who can look at that and, and mm-hmm. uh, reverse engineer it and make Yeah. Well, I mean, there's already companies over there doing a lot of that kind of stuff. But you're right. Up to this point, largely the government, the Chinese government has protected Apple's intellectual property, um, you know, as we would expect here in the United States. But there they can change the rules however they want. They can say, well, you know. But but this is a country without morals. Right. There's different class of people. So, well, well, 
Yeah, and I want to be real specific too. In that, I mean, you may or may not want to make the distinction. I want to make the distinction. This is a government of a country that acts amorally. It's not necessarily the people of China. I'm not picking on individuals oh, well, within China. Yeah, that's, that's what I was um, trying. To yeah, say. yeah. yeah. I, I I know many Chinese people who are, you know, have lots of family and ties to China, and they're great people. You know, the people mm-hmm. that I know, I, you know, I'm sure there's, there's jerks in China, just like there's jerks, you know, down the street <laughs> from me too, you know, it's, it's, it's people are people that, everywhere, but you're right. Dictators uh, very often act uh, in ways that, uh, that we're not used to. Right. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're going to work and they're going to do and act in ways that they perceive as to the benefit of them. And and so, you know, you just have to keep that in mind when you're when you're dealing with uh, a dictatorship is that they will change the rules in order to benefit them. And mm-hmm. so you need to make sure that if you're going to deal with that, that you have a have a uh, an exit strategy and a, an understanding of how to make sure that what benefits you also benefits them. Mm-hmm. So. Anyhow. Since we've now solved all the geopolitical problems in the world, what do you want to talk about next? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, do you want to see. move to what India, where the richest man in the world is building a VR headset? Although I think this is kind of a weird title because you know it's he's going to go to battle with a sixteen dollar device, and then when you start reading about it, it's basically Google Cardboard. It's you put a phone inside of a headset. Well, we've already seen that. I've literally got one sitting behind me, so. <laughs> But, yeah. uh, but you know, he's creating the software to then drive that. We'll see. Uh, am I following you? You're at two oh. Chicago men arrested. Oh no! This is uh, uh, Bazinga is the name of the website. It's Apple Meta braces for competition as India's richest man enters VR headset battle with a sixteen dollar device, which I think is completely misstated because neither Apple nor Meta is bracing for anything from a guy who's building a headset that you stick your phone into. Um, but okay, <laughs> I, I haven't found that. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know where it was. I'm just oh, I I clicked oh. on it. It's one of the one of the. Um, uh, tabs on my browser now, so it was one of the things you sent. Oh, it was the last one. That's why I went the wrong way. Oh, you're clear down at the bottom. Yeah, somewhere? at the bottom, the guy with the purple shirt. Oh, I found him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I that was my mistake. I just thought it was a good follow-on to what we were talking about, since we were talking about China. Let's switch to India and talk about stuff. But this. You know, again, Google Cardboard has <laughs> yeah. been around for a couple of years, and you can buy plastic versions of that where you just stick your phone in, and there are some 3D, you know, Viewmaster type things that are available apps that you can run on your phone that allow you to use those type of devices to sort of see, you know, a virtual reality. It's yeah. not really a competitor to Meta or to Apple, and I can't imagine either uh, Mark Zuckerberg or Tim Cook losing any sleep over this no no (laughs) (laughs) at all but uh what's amazing though is if you've ever done that if you've ever gotten one of the little google cardboard or one of the little headset things that you stick your phone into and put it on your face and and play with it yeah how much you can do for very little exactly well very little for a thousand dollar phone you can (laughs) but but for something you probably already have it gives you i would say 70 75% 75% of what a dedicated headset would give you. 
That's yeah. pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> well, you know, because it's uh, almost pocket change, sixteen bucks. I, uh, you know, I might grab yeah. one. Yeah, know, yeah. Just to well, see what it's doing. I have. I essentially have one. I bought it from Amazon. It's a little plastic headset that you slide your your phone into, and then you know the the trick is then is there any software that allows you to see things in you know in 3D VR you know in that sense, right. and yes there are soft there is software that exists that does that that does a split screen and shows it to you and it looks good and it's like yeah okay it's interesting it's interesting stuff you know yeah yep and it yep. makes and, you and, wonder why somebody's talking about you know buying multiple thousand dollar devices when you can get a big chunk of the way there by, you know, sticking a phone in front of your face. Well, and, and price does matter. You know, there's always yeah. lots of people who will buy, you know, inexpensive stuff. And, uh, yeah. and depending on the price, you know, wherever the break point is, some people will say, geez, that's just outside my budget, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not of buying course, a $3,000 set of goggles. But, uh, of course, of course, we're not really should shouldn't really be believing those price tags yet until it's actually right. on the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've said, you know, everybody was expecting Apple to introduce an iPad that cost thousands of dollars, and it was you know what five hundred. And right. so, um, you know, you don't know what it is until you know what it is. That's right. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, did you want to go up from there or? I don't, I don't care. You can go to the next one. I mean, the next one up from there is Bridge. Bridge is a oh. company that uh, was known for making um, uh, keyboard cases for iPads, and they were very early in the addition of a trackpad on their keyboard case for iPads, and they were pretty highly regarded by a lot of people in terms of yeah. the quality and functionality of what they built. But apparently they've gone out of business, and they did so basically without even telling a lot of employees, a bunch of people just basically didn't get paid and then got noticed that the company has filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, so it happened very quickly, um, which is a shame. You know, I like the idea of, you know, other manufacturers making things that, that make sense and work well for um, uh, well, the devices well, we, that I own. You we, know, we ha When we were go talking on the iPad one day, we, we brought these guys up before right and it so sounded pretty impressive yeah you no know? they've had a history of making really quality uh devices yeah so anyway it's it's kind of sad that it's, you know it just it all fell through right yeah yeah it sounds like they um had invested heavily in uh upgrading the last round of, of pr uh, product upgrades and were looking for an investor to help them move forward they never found the investor yeah, and yeah. so they overinvested. They 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 overinvested their revenue in in trying to grow the company, and then never got that next round of investment from outside to help them then su succeed well, and survive. That, that, that's critical in business, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, without uh, either loans or whatever, yeah, uh, business doesn't make it always. So it's a it's a business. It's a business decision because, you know, if you if you try to move forward conservatively so that you don't overspend, then you might not be able to create enough product to create revenue to survive. And so if you then take a take a, a little bit of a risk and and produce mm -hmm. beyond what you're really capable of spending, then you may find that you can't pay your bills. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened here. Uh, yeah. You know, it'll come out as to whether or not there was, uh, you know, 
bad decisions made or or, or illegal decisions made by the, the people running the company. But, uh, um, but you know, I'm but, sad to see him go. Yeah, uh, but just looking at it, this was quite a sophisticated keyboard and stuff. And basically, like we said, I think at the time we first covered it, it's it's just about like turning a an iPod or an iPad rather into a, a mm -hmm. iMac. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it essentially gave you what was a um, an eleven inch, or if you bought the larger twelve point nine inch version, um, uh, MacBook Air type of device. You know, I mean, it ran a different operating system. Given the processors, yeah. I know I've made the case that they shouldn't be making a different operating system. They should be able to go back and forth between the two operating systems. Yeah. But, uh, you know, even lacking that, they just gave you the f a different functionality. Apple sells a, a keyboard that does essentially the same thing. It, it's, it, uh, it puts the, um, the keyboard in front of you with a touchpad in, in, in yep. front of that. And yep. I actually have that on my 11-inch uh, iPad and use it quite a bit. I'll pop the iPad off for certain things because it's just held on with magnets. Um, but I leave it in the case, and, and anytime I'm going to type anything beyond just a you know a, a brief response to a text, um, I use that keyboard because it's a quality keyboard. I like that form factor, and it makes sense. Um, you know, Bridge did things a little differently in that they made their pivot all the way at the back of the keyboard, whereas Apple's kind of pivots from the middle of the screen in order to put the weight more forward so that it's more balanced. Yeah. Uh, but that means that the uh, screen kind of sits right above the number keys, and Apple did not put any kind of function key row on theirs, whereas Bridge put a function key row across the top that gave you things like uh, volume and brightness control and you know, pause and play and that kind of stuff. So you had some some additional keys on there that was, you know, it was nice. I think it was a nice setup. Um, I didn't have one. I still have the Apple case. But, yeah. you know, I was able to, I actually bought my Apple case before I bought the Mac because I knew what, or the, the iPad, because I knew which iPad I was going to get or which form factor I was going to get. Mm -hmm. And so um, I saw the case on sale for $100 off. And I went, that's, I'm going to buy the case. So I bought the case. And then uh, like a month later, then got the iPad when I when I was ready to get it. Yep. yep. Well, the the danger in buying too too expensive accessories for some things is, let's say, uh, you know, you may want to upgrade the iPad to the next model, and it won't work with that nice keyboard that you got a lot invested in. You know. Right. Yeah. And so that's the danger, and uh, so that may have inhibited sales this thing to yeah. a lower number than they needed to make it. You know. Yeah. Well, and let's face it, I mean, these keyboard cases are not super cheap when you build them. I mean, in order to build a quality device, it needs to be pretty solid. It needs yeah. to have enough weight to it to offset the weight of the iPad, but you don't want the overall weight of the device to be so heavy that people go, oh, I don't want to lug that around, right? So you've got a, a lot of a lot of trade-offs here to make something that works right. Well, and still give you enough margin so that the company can continue on, you know? Right, yeah. So... Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's the difficult part about businesses getting the price right for the market, and uh, at the same time making a uh, enough profit that you don't have to hang it up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently, anyway. employees laid off after the failed acquisition in January are still owed final payouts, 
And people who pre-ordered the Pro Dock in January have yet to hear anything. Bridge issued a press release saying that its brand and intellectual property have been acquired by a third party via foreclosure process initiated by its senior lender and has ceased operations. So somebody owns or has purchased the, the, um, the brand and intellectual property. Um, it's not well, stated who that is. So there may be a, a um, uh, you know, re- relaunching of Bridge at some point by somebody else. Yeah. Uh, the probability of that's real low. It is. You know, yeah, because- I can't imagine that the brand and intellectual property, I mean, the intellectual <laughs> property is the designs on keyboards. Yeah. You know, yeah. that that's not something particularly unique. You know, I mean, everybody who's ever used a keyboard probably has an opinion about how to make a better keyboard. (laughs) That's that's about right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, have you invested in a a new uh, high yield savings account with Apple yet? I did. I did that uh, pretty quickly. Anyway, this uh, article I found says there's six other accounts with higher annual percentage rates. Yep. And none of them are easier to use or easier to access or easier to set up. I had to go nowhere, do nothing. I typed a few things on my screen. It said, okay, it's set up. Then they said, do you want your Apple, you know, your, what is it, your Apple cash back that you get anytime you use your card to go in there? And I said, yeah. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and now I'll just forget about it and let it accumulate, which is what a savings account is supposed to do. Well, when I when I first looked at this article, there was uh, about the same time at those uh, three banks had failed, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, it would am I betraying a bank that I really like? It's a military bank that I've been with for 25, 30 years, and yeah. has never treated me but the very best. Right. By moving the one thing that they get a little bit of profit off uh, from from them. So I, I haven't done it yet. And right. Has, uh, well, uh, I also uh, use that bank and and very much like the bank and their insurance company, and they make plenty of money off the insurance. Um, yeah. But I, I, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I am a a absolute advocate for that company. I mean, we go ahead and say it. It's USAA. Um, yeah. You know, they advertise on TV all the time, um, and uh, you know, and I support that company. They are just a great company to deal with in every way, shape, or form. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I liken this kind of a decision to very much to uh, the small towns that I grew up in in Kansas mm-hmm. uh, and how as highways improved, they went to some larger towns that had a few more shopping locations. And pretty soon the businesses in all these smaller towns began to dry up mm-hmm. and then people began to moan that now I've got to go down there to get other things that I would like to buy locally, but that's no longer an option for me. So there has to be a trade-off in your mind of how important it is to support local businesses that you really want to stay around. Right. You know, although unless you live in San Antonio, USA is not local, <laughs> but well, I get, I get your point. You know, there's a business you want to stay around. So you want to make sure you give them their business. Your you're, business. You're, you're right. Yeah. But, but I don't have a problem with with doing remote banking because right. I've been doing it for 25 years and it's worked just fine. 
They, right. they, they, they were one of the early ones in that. And they, oh, they, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, job. I actually was somewhere the other day and saw a USAA branded ATM and was shocked. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of all places, it was in a, uh, like a, uh, like seven 11 type of quickie Mart at a gas station. And I ran and I ran in uh, to get some cash because I was thinking that the um, parking for the swim meet that I was going to, you're going to have to pay cash. Of course, I got there and they said, no, 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 you pay with an app. So I had to download the app and pay that way. So then I had cash that I didn't need. But but I just, you know, I thought, oh, shoot, I got to get some cash to pay these people when I pull in to park. Because they used to have people standing on the curb, you know, taking taking $10 and handing you a little thing to stick in your dash. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's gone now. <clears throat> Don't interact with people. They might give you germs. Use the app. So apparently you type in the uh, the way it works now for most parking in a lot of places. Uh, most parking in a lot of places. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. My experience has been that it, parking for events has now gone to app-based stuff where you put in your license plate number. And the same company now sells the parking uh, attendants a scanner and they just drive by and scan license plates and if one of them is not already prepaid then it beeps and they go and give that person a ticket oh okay so they've automated that process and i'm sure that has increased revenue for for the The parking places significantly by doing it that way um both on in terms of people paying and in terms of people getting caught (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, that uh, I thought was interesting. Well, that's that's things becoming more and more integrated as electronics has uh, improved for for everybody, really. Yeah. Yeah, you can't uh, can't duck the system anymore. And and uh, so I I, uh, I I I like. Particularly, uh, this AirTag technology is yeah. show, showing its benefits in uh, more ways than one. Yeah, it, it's it's real hard for people to move any any more and and not be tra- tracked. You yeah, know, especially because a lot of people haven't really realized that if as long as they have a iPhone with them, uh, they're they're identifying tracked. the location of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, including themselves. But That's yeah, right. no, it's it's you know, I mean it's it's ridiculous how many um uh airlines are now finding out that people are knowing where their luggage is and so you can't you can't say, Oh yeah, it's gonna be right here anymore. When I say it's like, oh no, it's not, it's in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So speaking of Oh, of tra- I I wanted to real quickly before we change the subject too much, I wanted to go back to the high yield savings account. My oh. sense my sense is that I am not taking money away from another place because the only money that I have put in there, and, and I, I may transfer other money, but right now the only money that I've put in there is the money that is the cash back that I was getting from Apple. And that previously was dropping just into my Apple card and sitting there earning no interest whatsoever. And eventually I would say, hey, I've got you know enough money there for a tank of gas or you know a pizza or something. And that, yeah. and I would spend it, but otherwise it would just be sitting there doing nothing. So now, yeah. instead of going there, it now goes into somewhere where it earns earns some interest. But but you, know? you have to manually go to the trouble of doing that. You can't have this no, it, replace it, replace it, that Apple card. No, it automatically. I, I set it up when I set it up. It asks, "Do you want your money there to go there automatically?" So it automatically goes there. Oh. So so my Apple my when I go into the the Apple card 
on my phone, it shows the balance as zero, where it always used to add, you know, you know, a dollar or two here and there every time I'd put something on the card. Uh, yeah. And and so uh, now it just stays at zero, and I have to I look down a little bit lower, and it shows oh your balance in your in your account, and and all of it just goes in there. So mm-hmm. every you know every. It was a daily cash back, so you know if I buy every day I buy something, some you know you know a you know a few cents goes into that account, and right. it just keeps increasing, and so it's it's and I don't see it, so it's just it's there, you know. If I need it, I can go grab it because you can take it and transfer it right back into your Apple Cash account. Sure. And then from yeah. there, you can either spend it as a you know as a virtual card, or you can um, uh, transfer it to your you know a different bank account, whatever account you've got set up you know, mm-hmm. attached to it. So, so it just sits there. So, uh, so anyway, from an Apple standpoint, Apple makes a little bit, a uh, little bit of money because they're taking that stuff. They're paying you 4% on Is that what it is? The interest something? Yeah. 4.15%. And, and investing it, uh, in something else that they're doing that, uh, costs more to borrow to do. Right. So they they they're yeah. at a point they don't borrow for anything anymore, right? Possibly, so, I don't know. The, the 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 behind the bank account is the um uh it's it's run by the same people who run their credit card for them. Um, which what's the bank at Goldman Sachs? Right. Yeah. So it's Goldman Sachs saving account. Yeah. You know, the one thing that's different about it than a lot of the other high percentage yield ones is there is no monthly fee and no minimum balance. A lot of those. Uh, there's a minimum balance to get it started, whereas mm-hmm. Apple just says, "No, you know, you know, put in whatever you want." So I just put in the, you know, I think there was like eighty bucks or something sitting in my cash card at the time, and I said, "Just transfer that over there, and now put everything else there too." So yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So anyway, uh, I think that's uh, you know just another way that. As long as Goldman Sachs is happy with the arrangement, they found a way to to uh, use the the profits from that business. Yeah, uh, and in a way that makes them more money. Yeah, because that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, you know, if they're paying you four uh, you know, percent, four percent, they're loaning it out at a higher rate. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah. If you wanted to shop around, you could probably do higher. You know, as many people pointed out, but none of them would have been as easy and seamless and automatically dump my Apple Cash into it like this one did. Yeah. And so, you know, it just depends on how you're going to use it. If you're if you're transferring in, you know, what is it you can put into up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that account. If you're transferring a lot of money in there to try to get the best interest, then, you know, the difference of a few points here or there makes a lot of sense. You might want to shop around. Yeah. But, you know, the way I'm doing it, it's like, eh. Might as well get a few percentages on the on the money that was sitting in the dumb cash card doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably what most people are, are doing. Just the same kind of thing, just a, a small amount, at least initially, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think the the only thing that's left that, that kind of skipped over is uh, the the Apple China conundrum. Yeah, uh, which we kind of talked around earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, I like the title here. Um, and again, it, titles are written by people different than who write the actual article, so they don't always relate the way they should. But it's Apple is a Chinese company. Will China really allow Apple to slink away? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and clearly Apple is an American company, but they're basically saying that a whole bunch of Chinese or of of Apple's production has been in China and a whole bunch of Apple sales are in China. And so, one, you know, one fifth, they said. One yeah. Fifth. So, you know, will the Chinese Communist Party allow Apple to just start moving things out of China without having any repercussions? And that remains to be seen. Don't you suspect that uh, China says, hey, the profits you made from that one-fifth of your company is ours? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you know. Um, I suspect that they don't have a whole lot of money sitting in Chinese banks. So, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not sure the trust level's there for that. So we'll see. Yeah, We'll see. I mean, you know, uh, China has noticeably had some very wealthy Chinese people, you know, like not be seen in public for a period of time. <laughs> and then when, they, when they're seen in public again, they're, they're, you know, usually coming back looking very tired and, you know, talking about the, the wonders of the Chinese government and how great it is. And so, um, you know, that's happened more than once with, with well-known and wealthy Chinese individuals. Um, yeah. You know, they can't. I, I. I. They can't haul Tim Cook in the, that way, but that doesn't mean they don't have some leverage. They absolutely do, and so it'll yeah. be interesting to see how this is, how this um, line is walked. Yeah, in fact, uh, it, he's got to probably be in the, one of the trickiest things going out there today. Yeah. When when it was started with Jobs and back at. The, in those days, it was a whole different deal, but the 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 whole politics of the world has changed dramatically in recent mm -hmm. years. Even last yeah. the last year, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think the dynamic. Well, you know, we're seeing the dynamic change as China exerts itself on a world stage, yeah. and you know, we we're changing from a time where the United States is the dominant country. You know, we went from where we were sort of co-dominant with, with the Soviet Union for a while. Now we've had a period where we've been the dominant country. Now China is on the rise. It's not that we're necessarily on the decline. We're just now having to share the or, or recognize the fact that we're sharing our uh, sharing the world as far as our influence goes. You know, that, the, that lots of countries look at us and look at China and say, well, who is it you would rather deal with, you know, going forward. And I understand countries looking at the United States and saying, well, you know, every four years or every eight years, you guys change which party's in charge and then all of your positions change. And I don't know that I can trust a long-term relationship with a country that does that. So I understand the concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but then what are the long-term concerns about, you know, getting into bed with the Chinese? Because they will then start exerting pressure for you to do what you're told. Yep. You know, and we do the same thing, though. We do. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's just, you know, it's 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 a changing world environment right now. And um, and, you know, I think that the because of the way the world economy has evolved. And again, this has nothing to do with tech, but this is just my observations. Um, it, the the rest of the world is kind of the, what's making the determining factor about like which of the two. Uh, more dominant economies are going to have opportunities. And so 
we and the Chinese are wooing the rest of the world, you know, and uh, and we both have histories that sometimes can be not um, the most complimentary to us. Yep. By when viewed from the rest of the world, you know. Well, I, I'm sure that, there's people. That, that's, in... that's always true of anybody on top of whatever it is. Sure. You know, you're under attack by the rest because they want to be there. Right. Yeah. But, you know, there there's lots of countries around the world that want uh, to interact with us and want to interact with the Chinese. And some don't want to make a choice. They want to be able to use, to interact with both. And others want to get into bed with one or the other and play one against the other in order to get what they believe will be the best opportunity for them. So, right. you know, it's, it's just a very complex time. You know, and if you're a, if you're a company like Apple is with a CEO like Tim Cook, who sort of sits in between these two company, these two countries, trying to you know manage a way for you to continue to be successful, it's it's yep. a it's a very complex thing, you know. And we say Tim Cook because he's the face of it, but you know it's really there's a team of people. It's not just Tim Cook, um, right. you know, trying to work this you know work these these through these situations. Um, you know, and from my perspective, I look at it and say, I just hope that they continue to be around and make cool products because I like the cool products that they make. Yep. You know, even if they <laughs> refuse to put Mac OS on an iPad, which they should have done a long time ago, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not in their best interest. I'm going to been done a long time. I'm going to bang that drum. I think they eventually will. I really do. It's just a yeah. matter of time. But I think they're eventually going to do that. There's absolutely no reason that they shouldn't do it. Um, and then, then they answer the question of like, well, how do you buy a, uh, how do you get a more affordable Mac uh, device? You know, and it's like, well, right now the MacBook Air is is you know eleven hundred dollars for the MacBook Air two. You can still get the MacBook Air original version for nine ninety nine as a base unit. It's been on sale mm-hmm. for as low as 7.99, which I thought was a phenomenal deal. But um but you know, if you can get a an iPad mm-hmm. Air that has the M1 processor in it and then a keyboard case with a touchpad, there's no reason that it shouldn't be able to, you know, tap a button and flip over to Mac version. By the way, we're at a point now where we need to talk about uh our next our well, the next meeting will still be on a Monday. The following one is the day that uh, Apple has their seance, WWDC, for the whole week. But they'll have the keynote in the morning. So you, we, you're 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 off because we're the eighth of May. They're not doing that until the first week of June. So we've got three more weeks before we get there. I thought it was two. Huh. Oh. No, I'm looking at a calendar right now. Today's the eighth. Next Monday's the fifteenth. Then the twenty second. Then the twenty ninth. Then it'll be the first week of June. Okay, so, so three got, more meetings. We've okay. got three more three more weeks before that one. But you're right that we should probably push that that Monday, Tuesday, June yeah. to Tuesday. You know, so at least we can talk about the um, the uh, the yeah exactly the the um, the keynote w- speech w- that he's going to give for for WWDC. Right. Right. And, and well, any new announcements. Right. I say he's going to give. I mean. You know, lately it's been a tag team of people. It's not just the CEO. You know, Tim Cook right. will probably come on and introduce somebody and then step aside. That seems yep. to be more his his way of doing things. Yep. But uh, yeah, he's he's working his way out of the job, and and I think yeah. that uh, sometime 
if if they do the big uh, glasses thing or what they're calling headset right now, right? Uh, that that'll be the big thing before he retires. Whenever that. I agree. I think he wants to do that, and he'll probably see that for another year or two. You know, the Apple's yeah. way of doing things has been the way they did it with Johnny Ive, and and um, obviously they couldn't do it with Steve Jobs because of his passing. But they, any of their their like uh, senior executive people, they kind of move. You know, they'll they they'll. Um, Move somebody up. They'll he'll be working on like a special project, and he'll still have his title. Then he kind of moves to an emeritus status. He's still around. You know, they can bounce things off of him, and they, you know they just kind of keep kind of easing into it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just as an FYI, too, looking at that, we may have to talk about our recording time because I've got a nine thirty appointment on the sixth, which is that Tuesday. So we'll have to either go a little earlier or a little later or something. Um, okay, well, it's far enough off. we got plenty of time. Yeah, we got plenty of time to, to get there. So, so let's talk about important things. The Lakers are playing tonight. The Lakers? <laughs> well, I, your, your I, basketball I, team has been done for weeks. So. <laughs> no, no, no. My basketball team is I have two grandsons. That's more important than ah, any day. Yeah. Any day. So anyway, they had a really exciting game the other day. They had doubled the score of the opposing team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're really getting good. And the, the week before that, uh, the youngest of the two grandsons uh, uh, scored uh, and got us into a second overtime. Wow. And, and then the overtime for the second uh, rules are the first team to score wins. Well, his brother made the basket to win the game. Ah, so, so they go to a sudden death. Yes. Wow, yeah, that's unusual in basketball. But I suppose when you're running a league, you got to clear the well, court for the next game, right? That, so you got to. That's, that's right. There's an hour time frame for uh-huh. you to play your game, and we keep your, you. You can't go over that. So anyway, there, there's some people who do a little bit. So gradually over the morning, I think there's four hours of it. Right. It, it, <laughs> it and, creeps. And it creeps down so that your their game was a little late getting started too. So. Yeah. But anyway, it was it was really exciting. That sounds like it. So sounds anyway, fun. Anyway, I've been looking forward to that. I think they're just about done because we're getting close to summer and people taking off, so Yeah. Uh I don't know if we have any more or not, but it's it's it was it's really been an enjoyable year because this year was kind of their both of them's first time to go play in a basketball team. And so from the beginning to the end of the year, there was just so much progress, you know, mm-hmm. it was evident every, every, uh, time. So I really enjoyed it. And these are my youngest grandkids. So there's no more lined up to, to do it again. Although I expect next year, the both boys will play, be playing again. So, yeah, but in different leagues, this is just kind of a summer league, but, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll play basketball with the schools they're in because they're in such large schools that it's it's really hard, you know, unless you're really one of the the best players. Yeah, you you, you can't make it in the schools. He's you know like like I did when I was in a small town. You know, it's kind of a given that you're going to play. But yeah, these days, you know, it's it's funny because like at their age, pre high school, people are already sort of lining up behind the 
the sport they're going to play, and it's so competitive that it's really hard to play more than one sport because most of the sports now play year-round, even at the, like, you know, six, f- fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade levels. They're yeah. playing year-round in baseball or basketball or swimming or whatever it is that they're going to do. That's and, right. and if you don't pick one early, then you're not going to have the opportunity to be strong in any of them by the time you get to high school. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I tell the boys that I, I was a uh, four-year letterman on four different sports. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course, then I have to say, well, I went to a small school. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with it. But anyway. It's yeah, you guys didn't even have enough football. for a you – didn't, you didn't play 11-man football, right? That's right. We didn't even have enough to have a regular kind of football game. We played six-man football, yeah. which most people haven't heard of. Yeah, but – small towns in the midwest that's what you did because you, did. Yep. you know it was football season and there wasn't enough kids so. so so we had lots of towns like that so we had a six six man football league you know yeah 10 10 different towns yeah yeah times a change but of football course you tra- tech you traveled a little further than you do in a big even in a big city yeah you know you traveled further but not longer that's right, because you go, go a whole lot faster. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and they were like, yeah, I was talking to my relatives, and they were at, kept asking, why why don't I just tell them how far things are? And he says, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like how far things are is irrelevant out here. It's how long it takes to get there, and that's dependent on time of day um, you know, and, and general traffic patterns. So it's like, yeah, it, it, on, in, in Southern California, if you ask somebody how far away is Disneyland, they will tell you in minutes how far away Disneyland is, not in, in miles, not in, you know, not in kilometers. It's, it's this is how long it's going to take you to get there from here. You know? And it may be 16 miles. It may be 70 miles. It doesn't matter. What matters yeah. is how long is it going to take you? Is this a you know is this a twenty minute drive a ninety minute drive? Sometimes the ninety minute drive can be significantly long or shorter distance than the twenty minute drive, yeah. just depending on where you're going, which direction, and what time of day. By the way, I mentioned earlier that Apple had a really good quarter, one of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I had also posted an article about Intel, the largest quarterly loss in company history. That's right. Kind of, that's kind of shocking. Yeah. But they're getting uh, government help to build a factory to try to get uh, around to where they can get to the three nanometer uh, uh, part uh, size. And uh, anyway, uh, I think they're probably years away from the three nanometer from even the trouble that China's manufacturers have. But they are in production in China now. I, yeah, I they've don't... actually they've actually um, outsourced some of their um, uh, fabbing to other other factories. So they're doing yeah. their designs and having somebody else fab the chips for them until they can get up to speed uh, doing smaller stuff. Now, there's also the um, that whole thing about like, well, what is five nanometer versus three nanometer? It's it's kind of a marketing term. It's not really a scientific term because those numbers are very uh, a lot with within any chip you mm-hmm. know and so so you know while they are clearly behind taiwan semiconductor in terms of the ability to put things more closely together 
on a wafer, they are also not as far behind as might be indicated by just looking at the numbers because the numbers are not exactly reflective of what's really going on on the chip. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing if you really get into it. Yeah. You know, but, but nonetheless, their architecture is clearly getting beaten out by arm. And yeah. so they, you know, they still own a huge market. Let's not, you know, there's a lot of, of momentum behind the Intel architecture that, and it's not going away any day soon, but, uh, but, they certainly see the writing on the wall and are trying to do everything they can to, you know, keep their company profitable. Yep. Yeah. It, it gets to be a struggle after a while, especially when one of your biggest customers leaves you. Yeah. You know, that was the real uh, ding was when Apple uh, says, we don't need any chips from you guys anymore. Right. Well, and, and the big, big breakthrough for Apple wasn't that they were so much faster is that they were so much they that they were faster or as fast using significantly less energy so their yeah. chips didn't have as much heat so that you didn't have to deal with heat management the way you do with Intel chips and right. that's why I love Mac Daily News's take on it they said here's an idea for Intel something in which they'd excel at hot plates yeah <laughs> I that was yeah. pretty funny and, and so they have the intel inside label on the hot plate too. right yeah it's like hey you've got these chips that generate tons of heat maybe yeah. you should think about using them as heaters <laughs> yeah yeah so. anyway mac daily news never had much good to say about intel no no they haven't you know, and yet I remember when when we when when Mac switched from the PowerPC architecture to the Intel architecture, and it was hailed as the most oh, wonderful yeah. thing, you know, and much like the switch to the Apple in, in uh, architecture, it went so smoothly, and now yeah. you had a computer that could run Windows stuff if you needed it to, which yeah. at the time I very much needed to. There were just a few apps that just flat out didn't exist. You know, in yep. the in the Mac world, that I had to use, oh. and so the ability to use one computer to do both of those things was just mind-bogglingly oh. great. Oh, that was that was a whole new subsystem. Uh, yeah, you, know, you had lots of, I think, quite a lot of people, especially in the software development arena, running both Windows and Apple stuff. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Um, you know, it was a, that transition was, and that was their second transition. You know, the one to Apple inside right. has, is their second Apple inside. I know that's not their logo, but, um, but, uh, or their, their tagline, but, uh, you know, they, Apple has done this now several times, switching from one underlying computer architecture to another. And, you know, you can't, I can't imagine, uh, another company doing it so smoothly and so well. And I know that, that, that uh, Windows exists on ARM architecture, but it has traditionally been so bad and so not compatible with everything else that runs on the Intel architecture that it, it, most people have not made that transition, you know, yeah. and, and they haven't figured out how to do it as well. And that's one thing that I appreciate at Apple is that that, that major change of underlying architecture has been so smooth and so well done multiple times that, you know, you just, you, you really appreciate well, a company. It, it's because they've been able to build uh, uh, an artificial environment so that you can run, uh, I forgot the terminology here, uh, virtual machines 
Mm-hmm. They they have a name for that. Rose something. Uh, oh, Rosetta. Rosetta. Right. Yeah. And this is Rosetta too, because you yeah. know I I say it was it was amazing when they switched from uh from the uh, Power PC to the Intel architecture, but I had Macs from the old Motorola architecture that they had before they went to the Power PC architecture. Mm-hmm. You know, and that also moved across and just worked perfectly. And well, so uh, that's when they invented Rosetta for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It so just they've they've kept the virtual machine guys around and had some, you know, they they never chose to get into that business themselves in a you know, except to port their systems, but uh they could have very well have been uh competitive, I think with the uh, uh now I lost the name of it. Parallels. Parallels, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pa- Parallels came out on the top of the heap. There was another company that did that as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you just gather together the specialists and and you could make a business out of it, and that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, but App- Apple could have taken that piece of it, if, but it wasn't big enough, I don't think, for them to... Well, and they, they never showed any interest in... Um, in uh, you know, helping people run things other than their operating system on their device. Right. So they were, you know, they were happy to get versions of one of their devices, you know, to run, on, to get their own software written for one of their architectures to run on another of their own architectures. That was their, their take on it. it. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, you know, they just, it was a different yep. focus, you know, so... Well, companies can always go in lots of different ways, but you gotta you gotta know what to shut down where where your profits are. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. the important thing about Apple is they've they've figured out where they can make the big bucks, and and the phones were always at the top of the heap, and yeah, and you know when they first transitioned from, you know they were a computer company, right? Mm-hmm. Apple Computer Company. They dropped the computer company because they said, well, we're not. We're we're get, getting into portables, you know, and so they just became Apple. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember the name of the product that was a competitor to um, Parallels, and they were around for a long time. And I could have sworn it was a, a, a product that was owned by Autodesk, but maybe it's no longer, and they spun it off, or maybe I'm misremem- misremembering it because I don't see it on their website at all. I, I, so, I can't help you there because yeah. I can't remember either. But it was Parallels and them, this other company, for uh-huh. a number of years. Yeah. Um, probably the Parallels just went and bought their the best guys that worked for this other company and says we're going to take this over. <laughs> you know that's what it takes. Somebody who says I really want this market. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So anyway, I. Uh, I think we've had a pretty good set of diverse topics today. Uh, yeah. So, oh, uh, VMware Fusion. That's it, Fusion. You're yeah. Right. VMware. Now, yeah. That, that's the one. I, I think I even bought that. Uh, yeah, I, was... I had had a version early on of VMware, and then I switched to Parallels um, because they had better compatibility at one point in time, and I just kind of stayed with them. But I haven't used either of them in quite a long time because I don't have a need to run Windows stuff anymore. That's right. See, when I got, I was a Windows guy that suddenly became an Apple guy, and I couldn't hang on. 
I mean, I, I couldn't continue to function for a while because it takes you to, uh, so I, I still wanted a Windows machine, but not the hardware. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could use boot camp, but then you had to reboot your machine to get to it. Yeah. That, that wasn't an option for me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it was, it was fun. And I was interested in virtual machines anyway, because I'd been reading about them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I thought it was uh, interesting to play around with. And in fact, as I recall, when I set up um, uh, VMware Fusion the first time, I not only had a Windows machine running on my Mac, but I also had a, a Linux virtual machine that I could boot into because I thought, hey, you know, it'd be fun to have a Linux version that I could play with that didn't affect, you know, Mac, because, you know, Mac has an underlying Unix system that you can get to if you want to, but I didn't want to do things right. that were going to mess with my main my main machine that would cause problems and I didn't want to have to buy another machine physically to put it into. So the virtual machine worked perfect because, you know, at any point you could just say, okay, wait a minute, let's shut it down and restart with a fresh copy. <laughs> if you mess yeah. things up too much. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, I think that next Monday I have, that's, that's my, uh, doctor's appointment. The 15th. So I'm, we're going to have to move uh, okay. our, our meeting. So let's off. plan on Tuesday next week? Yeah, let's do Tuesday. Let me call up my calendar and make sure that that's right. This is weird. Every once in a while, my screen just goes blank for about three seconds and then comes back. And I don't know whether it's like a, a syncing problem with the monitor or what, but it's annoying. Yeah. All right. So I will take Generation Tech and move it from... This Monday to Tuesday on the 15th to the 16th. Right. Yeah, 10 o'clock, I got to beat the doctor so on, on the 15th. So, so sounds like I'm, a plan. Next week we'll be on Tuesday. Yeah. I, I just got a notice for them. Up, uh, uh, reminded me of my appointment. I'm glad they did come in timely. <laughs> so, okay. Shall we call it a day? All right. Sounds good. Thanks for coming and joining us here today on Generation Tech. We talked tech and international politics and uh, youth basketball. We did. We did. <laughs> Lots of variety. <laughs> yeah. And I will finish by saying, go Lakers. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.